Hi, this is Matthias. Today, Alva and me host a guest you already know. It's Jürgen from Denmark. Alva and Jürgen already touched the topic of peer-to-peer -peer investing and crowdlending on Surface in episode number nine a couple of months ago. Now we dive into the topic a little bit deeper and talk about the risks, especially in a recession, our order invest settings, and we try investigating how the heck Jürgen became so efficient. So I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them, about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta, and Matthias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back again to another episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. And today we've actually got something awesome going on. We've got our first recurring guest on, Jürgen from financiallyfree.eu. I've got with me today as a guest. Hi, Jürgen. Hello, guys. And my amazing co-host, Matthias. Hello, Alva. Hello, Jürgen. Hello, all. Good stuff. And I've got the feedback that I have to talk slower for everybody. So for today, uh, thank you, Twitter. I will try to talk slower and say less like this, like that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so guys, we've got a recurring guest coming up, Jürgen, and we're gonna dive back into the amazing world of peer-to-peer -peer lending. Uh, but this time we're actually going to for more of like a deep dive because last time we obviously, together with Jürgen, discussed like the general approaches around peer-to-peer -peer lending, FI in Denmark, and just, you know, strong st standard strategies. But this time we really want to go deeper into the topic and discuss the technicalities. And yeah, so that's the plan to get started with. But before we dive into that, I would really like to ask Jürgen, I know lots of people already will know who you are and what you do, but can you give us like a short breakdown of where you're about and, you know, why the heck did you get started with this amazing blog and the whole five world? Yes, sure. First of all, thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, I am Jörn from financiallyfree.eu. I am a blogger. I'm an IT project leader as well. And my blog, as you said, it's about financial independence. And I mainly try to achieve that through peer-to-peer -peer investments and real estate. So... Cool, good stuff. And also important to mention, you prefer that we call it crowd investing, right? Yes, crowd investing or crowd lending, I think, is a broader term because a lot of it is also business related. So it's not only peer to peer, it's often also peer to business. That's why I prefer the other term. Yeah, I can agree with that because if you just say peer to peer, then it sounds too much like those junk loans sometimes. And it's actually way more than that. First of all, for our listeners, we would like to know how much money have you moved into peer-to-peer -peer? because I have seen in your blog that it's uh, quite a lot. So how much is it of your total asset allocation and maybe also in total? Because I know many listeners are just trying peer-to-peer -peer and they're, um, they're very aware of the risk and they just put like 200 euros in it. And um, yeah, so how much do you put in it? I have put about, at the moment, 90,000 euros into it. And it has now, because of the reinvesting and uh, so on, it has currently a value around 110,000 euros or something like that. It's it's a lot of my uh, asset allocation. It's it's maybe about 70% or something like that. Uh, so it's it's a lot. And it's because I've already been in, involved with stocks and other investment vehicles before. And I really never figured out the best way to do it and i didn't feel comfortable in this environment 
So with this, I've done a lot of investigation and find that I believe this investment vehicle more. And that's, I know it's newer and a lot of people say it's probably not something you should put all your money into, but I choose the different route here. And that's, of course, my, my own personal preference. So mm. you can sleep well at night? So you're not afraid that you lose like 100,000 euros overnight because of some major accident? I sleep so much better at night having it here than on the stock market, I can tell you that. Especially these days. <laughs> yeah, these days. And you never know when, when somebody somebody tweets something or suddenly something happens in South Korea, something where you have no control at all. Yeah. One of the benefits of this crowdfunding or crowd investing is that it's a lot more stable. You can see from month to month what you earn and the interest rates you get and everything is, is much more stable. If something goes wrong, it'll be a little bit more drastical, like if one platform goes totally bankrupt or something like that. Yes. And of course, that would give a big spike or punch in the face or something like that, you could say. But but still, I think it's it's comparable to if you have invested in 10 stocks and one of them suddenly loses half of the, of the full value. It can happen. So you compare um, the platform, if you have like 10 platforms or you have like 10 stocks, mm -hmm. it's basically the t same for the risk, you would say. That's my opinion, yes. And, and also maybe like to ask in that, because obviously, you know, in ETF world and stock world, we always preach diversification. Obviously, like peer-to-peer -peer forms are also really different in nature. Could you like maybe give us like a rough breakdown of like, you know, what kind of peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms are out there in the world? And how can you actually diversify your risk by yeah, like from like a high level selecting certain type of platforms? There is a lot of different platforms. I think in Europe we have around almost uh, around 100 different platforms now in different countries. And a lot of them are similar and some also have different sectors. So some focus on real estate, some focus on peer-to-peer -peer and these short-term loans. Uh, maybe even microloans or payday loans and some focus on projects, maybe business projects where someone needs to fund maybe for a new restaurant or for a transport business or something which needs more capital to expand or refinancing loans, business loans. And again, these it's mostly loans in general. So you, it's not like you own some of the company when you when you invest in this, it's only a loan to the person or to the company for a certain and predefined period of time. And then you get, if everything goes as planned, you get the interest rate that was uh, agreed on. And when the loan uh, matures, maybe after six months, uh, after one month or whatever is, uh, is agreed on, then you get your money back, the principal invested. And in most cases, you also get interest rates paid out every month. Can some platforms also flag their own ways of protecting uh, the investments you make with them mm -hmm. um, in the sense of like auto invest and buybacks and their own like platform safeguards? Because like for us as investors, what we can do, we can like look from a high level, like what kind of platforms can we use to invest in? But, you know, say we do the perfect thing and, you know, we select like really diversified platforms. What, what, what more could like investor do like in the platforms themselves to like, minimize risk and get maximum returns? Um, that's a good question. The risk, there will, there will always be a risk. In the latest years, 
the platforms, most platforms focus more on buyback guarantee, which means that if the company or the individual who takes the loans is not able to pay back in time or pay back at all, then this, the platform steps in and uh, buys the loan back from you and you get the interest and the principal back. So in this case, it reduces the risk a little bit. At least it reduces the cash drag that you would get otherwise. In some of the older platforms like Bondora, then you have a loan. And if, if the borrower doesn't pay back in time, then it could take years to recover, maybe some of it or all of it, depending on how lucky you are or how the finance for this person turns out to be. And really that's the biggest inconvenience is that it takes so long to go through it and you you don't know what happens in this time and you cannot just get your money back so in this case some of the other platforms they give this buyback guarantee so it, it to me it's the more or less the same risk but it moves the risk from individual borrower and all your different loans into that the risk is on the platform itself so you, you mean that um, they have to manage the risk and you save some time to to manage it? Exactly. I save time so I don't have to dig into every loan to ensure that this borrower has the necessary capital or financial mm. background to, to take this loan out. I, I can only trust the platform now. Yeah, It's, it's so much easier. In the beginning of Bondora, they, they put photos. So people who want to get a loan, they put a photo and they said they want it for their studies and they are a very nice person and and so on. And they will pay back. And then people were choosing every single loan by the thing the person has written. But, I mean, you can't say from a picture or from the text if, if the person will pay back. It's It's very hard and it takes a lot of time. And one of the things I found out over the years, the investment method that works best for me is where I have to think less and do more, you know, so I can just focus on earning more money, putting more money into investments and focus on diversification instead of all this investigation behind it. Mm. So, of course, you can get the same if you just want to invest in a Vanguard stock index fund or something for the whole world. That's the exact same approach. You just pull more pour money into to a vehicle and uh, you don't have to think so much because the risk is already spread out. So what I'm really curious about is like, can you actually get an advantage at all by loan picking? Like for example, Mentos, Mentos, pretty big platform, a billion, billion loans outstanding. And like, you know, say you would go over auto, auto invest versus loan picking. What would actually the difference be like after a year of going for that? Because if I look myself on Mentos and I'm looking around what like what kind of information I can get, it's not that much besides where somebody's from and the actual Mentos rate thing where mentors them, uh, themselves like says, hey, I roughly think somebody is of this level in terms of being alone. And mm -hmm. that's kind of roughly it. And it feels like almost too much, like gambling almost too much to me in that sense. Like whereas in versus auto invest, if you expert around hundreds and hundreds of loans, that's actually a version where I feel kind of safe it but maybe there are people out there that can loan pick and you know maybe they can beat whatever return i can make triple the difference you will be able to make by loan picking is minimal in my opinion so i don't think you can gain any um, 
major advantage of going into secondary markets or try to loan pick, mainly because the difference in interest rates is not that big. The highest you'll get around 13.5% at the moment, maybe 14 The lowest loans you'll get around 10 maybe even less, but there's a lot of loans, so you can easily get 10% at least on mentors. Um, you when of course when you set up the auto invests you also do some kind of loan picking unless you just enable all loan originators and all loans and don't set any minimal interest rate at all what i do is to well i like to trust the platforms in general that's kind of the reason why i'm invested with them in the first place because if i didn't trust them and their due diligence with the companies then i wouldn't even invest in the first place so if if they take in a loan originator i trust it because they they think it's a good company and it should provide good loans over the coming years so i go in and select the ratings and at the moment i have from the highest rated a loans and to b loans so i deselected the b minus and so the lowest where even mentor says this loan originator doesn't have the best financials at the moment but it's it should still be all right so i just choose the four highest categories and i said interest rates from at the moment around 13 percent and up and then i just let the auto invest tool do its work i don't want to spend my time on going into loan picking and selecting and go through secondary markets to see if I can get a discount of 0.5% sometimes because an investor wants to cash out. I just think it's it's too much work. You can easily spend hours on it and I really value my, my time higher than these small percentages I can get. So for, for me, it's not worth it. And um, for example, the loan originator Euro sent on Mintos, they've been having some trouble, actually went bankrupt a couple months ago, the 29th of October. Did you take them out of your auto investment settings when that happened? Uh, yes, of course. But I think that moment also that even Mintos did so you couldn't invest in them automatically. I think they were also deactivated in, in May or in, in, in earlier this year, they there was also some announcement that they are bankrupt or they nobody should invest into them anymore. Yeah. So I already deactivated them. I mean, yeah, I mean, Mintos already takes care of its customers and its investors. So if they know something is not right, they will pause all investments. So they make sure that no one invests in, into these loans. Yes, for Mintos, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's the case. For other platforms, I, I'm not sure. They maybe also... Yeah, manage risk. Maybe they, they have to compromise because they are smaller and they maybe not getting the best loan originators. So I don't know. I th I think the smaller ones, they do more actually to to protect the investors because if if they don't, then they are out of the business. They they have to prove more for the investors than a brand like Mintos that has nearly 100,000 investors now. Yeah, that's true. Um, but they also have to provide like higher rates sometimes, you know, they yes. put like, you get 14% with us. Mm -hmm. So it must come somewhere, you know. Yeah. Or maybe just Mintos is now so big, so it takes a bit a bigger cut and the loan originator ends up paying the same. We don't know. Hmm. True. And then also like the next kind of question is like, how much value does a, like a big platform have over a smaller platform? Because obviously like, for example, Mintos with its billion loans outstanding and 100,000 investors. Um, 
has way more skill and opportunities to like minimize risk and optimize returns versus smaller platforms that might be more risky here like how how much value do you think like a larger platform offers in terms of like protection for us investors honestly not that much and that's mostly because i see mintos that's it's only a marketplace right so it's mintos doesn't provide any kind of security any kind of uh extra safety layer for you as an investor they go out and negotiate with loan originators and they present the loans on the platform some other platforms they are the loan originator themselves and they just create a platform for themselves so the most important part is that you trust the platform and you trust the people behind the platform if you do that then i think the risk is more or less the same gotcha so in essence that's also Mintos just being a big platform and not, you know, having like everything automated versus like, for example, like an Investio who does really do its own research, picks its own projects. Then the specialist might actually be safer than the bulk large scale platform. That, that could be the case sometimes. Yeah. And, and obviously, and yeah, that's <laughs> obviously really investment and platform dependent. But I actually find that a really interesting one. Because, yeah, obviously, I hadn't thought about it even in that sense, that the specialist might actually be safer. What do you think on that, Matthias? I think the bigger, the better. Um, because, like in Mintos, they have many loan originators, and basically, they take the risk, so the first risk. So so you have different steps of, um, or different levels of, um, like, diversification. You diversify across the platforms and across the loan originators or maybe also loan types. And, um, like, these, I think the loan originators is the biggest risk. And if you, for example, use a platform which is only, which is the loan originator itself, then I think there's there's a bigger risk because you can't diversify so much. Like in Investio, for example, I would say there's more risk because they have a buyback, but you have to pay for it. Like this minus five percent. That's correct. Isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. You can sell the investment back to the to the Investio team at any time and then receive but ninety five percent of your principal back. But that's not not a buyback. That's that's like a secondary market that they want to compensate the, the missing secondary markets that you can just give it back to them. Correct, but they also have the buyback guarantee in case of a default. Ah, so so if that's... the project defaults, mm -hmm. then you will get eighty percent of your principal back, and in the same instance, they will give you an option to say, do you want another 10% so you end up getting 90% of your original investment back? Or do you just want 80% and then wait until they see how much they can get back and maybe up to 100? So you have that choice. Is that new? That's amazing. I have to put more money there. It's been like that for, for all time. Okay, cool. I think what's most important to me is time to, you know, I value results. I don't value opinions. So there's a lot of, of things you could do to investigate into some things and see, is it really correct? Is it really good? Of course, things have to be correct. That's that's for sure. But if it's a good investment or not, you rarely know until you get your money back to see, did it really pay you back? And one of the bigger platforms like Mintos, they have three and a half years now. So they, they have proven over a longer period of time that the loan originators they work with are reliable. At least the older ones, a lot of the ones that came in recently, of course, they are new, so you still don't have the time 
perspective in this case. Um, the smaller platforms, they some of them have been in business for several years as well. Twino, and there are several platforms that's been in even longer than uh, than Mintos as well, who are not that big. And I think they have the same low risk because they already proven over time that the loan originates, they have and the loans and the buyback guarantee and everything works. So that's more valuable to me than um, the size of the platform. Mm. And Mintos also raised five million in angel investing or series a round so they want to provide debit cards and ivan accounts so yeah. i think they have plenty of money you know they have plenty of investors money yes yeah correct and also this is also a nice way to kind of transition a little bit into like what would happen with the peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms or the crowd investing platforms if we had a next big recession like 08 levels because that's actually something i'm really curious on we have seen quite a big drop in the stock markets and a lot of like chaotic news over the last weeks months and we've seen a couple of platforms during 08 when uh like the peer-to-peer -peer lending crowd investing was really like small um you know we're talking about huge numbers but a couple of platforms like managed to get through the crisis with no major problems obviously it affected them but they were able to get out of it i'm curious now with the sector or the branch being more mature and us you know talking about like big european companies how are they gonna manage themselves if we get 20 30 percent drop and lots of people will lose their jobs and things i'm just curious yeah because what will it do to the platforms like will they drop like stocks like 30 percent will loans default what do you guys think well sopa was the biggest and first platform and they started already in 2005 and during the financial crisis when they were three year three or almost four years old they they still had an um, a good period where they gave investors four percent back at that time and and sopa were never a platform that had these 12 percent loans or something like this it's in the lower range already so they like you said they already got through this last financial crisis uh, without any issues at all i think when you see financial crisis in general it's hard to see or to say who loses their their jobs is that the low salary factory worker will he lose his job or is it the guy who is in the banking sector with a high paying job who actually gets fired because they want to minimize the administration or management cost, maybe. So you're going to actually really like that take, because essentially you were saying then, you know, what's happening to the clients, the people that will lend the money, like that will also affect the platforms. And, you know, those are the ones that actually make us money in the end, because they take out the loans, they pay the interest, and that's in the end the way we get a return. So like who actually is affected in the end, the most then and i would also be curious then you know say let's just do like a little example game forecasting you know say we're gonna go into like a 20 30 percent drop again on the stock market like a minor recession kind of what we see going or coming in the next years if you have to believe all the experts like which platforms would do best and which ones would be like the best to be in for us if we get a drop and a recession and Let's just say that the default rate of loans would also follow a recession. I don't say that will be the case, but it, it could happen that more people lose their job and they are not able to pay the loan back right away. Then the platforms who have buyback guarantee, of course, then the investor in the first place would not feel anything because the platform itself would have to take the loss. 
And I would hope that they spent the good years when everything goes up to make a cushion in the bank account so so they have some extra money to pay out when such things happen. Another thing is that For example, you have all the, some loans are only like for 30 days. If there's a recession, then they will maybe not hand out so many loans to everybody. So they are more critical when when uh, when giving out yeah. loans. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think also what you will see is that they will pay the buyback guarantee as planned. And then if they are having a little bit more problems than usual, then maybe the interest rates will drop instead of the new loans that will come to the market so that you don't get 12%, but maybe 8%. Yeah. So they will have a, a bigger a bigger gap. Yeah, that could be. Otherwise, maybe also many people are afraid that these loan originators are going bankrupt. That could be, but we have this rating in Mintos at least. So you could yeah, invest only with the stronger ones. Also, um, for some loan types, you have a collateral like real estate or like a car. So they can just sell the collateral and then they have some money. <laughs> yeah. At least for the, for the longer loans. Yeah, and we also like kind of have to ask ourselves what kind of things can the platforms do to either minimize their risks or lower their own costs so they can keep paying out the buyback. Honestly, I think like the most of them have a really, really lean and efficient approach with being in Eastern Europe. So the chances of them being able to like cut overhead in like insane ways to add a bit more into buyback. Like, I don't really think any money would come from that side, but I think that's a really strong point, Jürgen, with like them, either like lowering the interest rates or just playing around with certain conditions to just uh, lengthen loans, lengthen payments, mm -hmm. everything to make sure the buyback guarantee stays in place. Because I do think, you know, as with like dividend stocks, the moment the platform would drop a buyback guarantee, it's over for them. Actually, Twino, they introduced a new type of loan, which is not buyback guarantee, but it's a payment guarantee instead. And it has not been introduced because of any financial crisis or anything like this. But it could be something that we could see more of this type, where actually it says we as a platform go in and guarantee that you get the payments for this loan in the full duration. And maybe the duration will then be three or five years or something like this. So it will be a new type of, of loans that people could invest in, where they know because they as a company, as a platform, they have they have more funds and they can better handle if someone goes late and they just get the money back maybe in a year or two from now and not immediately. So this this new type of loan could be uh, introduced, I think. Okay, and one other thing I also wanted to mention, I've seen that a lot of like loan originators are upping like their stake in the loans in terms of like, you know, that they will own 10 to 15% of the loans themselves to actually give out And I actually found it a pretty interesting development, you know, that their skin in the game, that they're kind of upping that, which like from my side, I like that. I like them being involved and taking more ownership. I have not seen anyone raise their skin in the game. Yeah, me too. I have only seen lowering. Yes. So from 15 to 10 to, to 5, um, especially the, the, the ones with a good rating uh, on Mintos, they, they're lowering the, the, the skin in the game then. Normally, just the, the, the ones with a C rating, they have higher skin in the yeah. game. So, yeah, 
fair point maybe from my side i've just seen more messages like that popping up lately which kind of gave me the feeling like hey you know they're investing more in that because but your guys explanation makes more sense see originators who kind of like want to up their game and the good class ones they're like hey you know we've proven ourselves we can lower it a little bit yeah when they can prove they have a solid bank account and you can see they have a lot of money already saved up so the the platform and the originator is is a safe company that should even do good in a financial crisis also then they can say okay it's not necessary to have 15% skin in the game we can lower that to 10 or maybe even 5 absolutely and um, another point i would like to mention is that the companies like the now it's it's a peer to peer platform or a crowd lending platform like mintos but in in 10 years they are not only having this crowd lending business but they are like mintos they are maybe becoming a bank or they having other you know other business units other income streams that could yeah that could help each other or that could help um that they're not going bankrupt they have just lower income from one income stream in the terms of or in times of recession so i I'm interested, curious to see how these platforms develop, and I'm I'm pretty sure that the bigger ones are not just peer-to-peer -peer lending platforms anymore, but they will establish other business and take it from established players in the current finance sector. Mm -hmm. That's true when you say like that kind of like broadening their market, but you've also got like lots of like little specialist platforms popping up. So yeah, I, I do see that as well. Them like, you know, broadening up, but also at the same time, lots of platforms that specialize more in like specific branches or specific kinds of loans. And also a little bit to like change up the topic. What I'm curious on in terms of like actual countries, Are there any countries like you don't invest in at all because of like economic crisis or because like the political system is risky? Nope, I'd say it all. <laughs> really, I mean, I'm not the expert in selecting the best loan originators. I assume that the platform know what they do in this in the market where they are specialized already. Most of them already have the business running for several years. Some of them then later decide to make a platform out of it. And if, if they have a, a solid business going on already, who am I to say that maybe Kazakhstan is not the best country? I don't know. If they have proven something else for them over the years, who am I to say that it's not a good investment? So so I'm just saying, I, I, well, back to the, the point where I say I just need to make sure that's, that the company is legit and it's really the, the guys who are working there do the best to have a, a good platform with the best returns for the investors. That's That's my only concern, not the countries. In earlier times, Bondora, for example, there was a saying that the Spanish loans are performing worse than the like Estonian loans. So you're right in that sense. And that's one of the cases where Bondora just went into a new market segment mm -hmm. without any history or anything. So they wouldn't know how it would perform. And there was no buyback guarantee or anything for the investors. So in, the investors took all the risk. And in, in, in Bondora just tried it out. And that was a, a huge mistake for, for the investors there. But again, mm -hmm. Bondora had no skin in the game, so they wouldn't really care that much. Of course, they want to have happy investors, but it was that, that they would never get that from the Spanish market. Mm. Um, it's different when the platform has buyback guarantee yeah. uh, or an already established business in that country. Yeah, that's true. Then because you you don't have to care because you, you get your money back anywhere. 
Another question is, you said you take, in terms of countries, you take, take everything, but what's in terms of currencies? Are you just using euros or Danish crowns? crowns? Yeah. I'm only using euros and I do that because most of the platforms are in Europe and most of the platforms offer investments in euros and the Danish krone is tied up already to the euro so even though we don't have euros here in Denmark it's already almost a fixed price we pay for euros so it varies only a very very small uh, decimal of a percentage so it's very reliable so I don't really have any currency risk. Gotcha and And in terms of like taking it out, do most platforms like offer you an easy way to get it from the actual platform to your bank account in a currency you can use? Well, I, I transfer euros to my account, to my investments accounts. And when I get it back, I get euros back. And my own bank just converts that into Danish kronos. Okay, good stuff. Obviously, yeah, that will be per bank. If I have millions of euros and I was worried about these currency exchanges from my bank I could have a, a euro account as well if in my bank if I wanted to, but it's it's such a small amount of, of, of kronos or euros lost in the conversion, so it's it's not really a concern to me. And maybe a stupid question, but have you tried like the payout of every single platform? Like I, for example, I haven't even tried to like make Mintos pay me out because I constantly want to reinvest everything I leave in there. But like, have you tried to like the pay button with every platform? I did that in the beginning when I started investing, especially with platforms I hadn't tried before, hadn't heard much about before. Later on, I don't always test it because I know that it's a, an, a platform that is established already. And and now I all I have all my my readers from the blog and a lot of them already, when I talk to them, they say, oh, I already tried to withdraw more than 10,000 euros from this platform, just wanted to let you know that it works and so forth. So they are actually doing the work for me, so I don't have to do it myself. That's great. Yeah, that's also um, very efficient if you have other people to yeah, to find out stuff. That's also, I think these Facebook groups, um, you can learn a lot from the mistakes of the other investors. And for example, they always, if there are some, some bad things in one platform, the word is spreading really fast i would say so i for example i added um people were asking if there's still cash track in on swapper mm -hmm. and i just replied yeah these communities are great for everyone you can easily go in and keep yourself updated on even platforms you're not invested in and follow the the con conversation in general one thing you have to be a little bit aware of is that if someone doesn't fully understand something or has a bad experience which maybe was his own fault or something it's things like these can also spread really quickly and without any reason so you still have to think who is actually posting this uh, answer here uh, <laughs> on topic or you would like to you would like to introduce ratings for facebook members and um, the funny thing is, in the last interview, we also talked about like ways of testing how reliable a platform is. And obviously, you're, you're going down to them all and visit them and force them to, to answer all the difficult questions and check out the projects, etc. Yeah, well, I do something. I, I'm a little bit different. There are some web pages that actually try to do reviews and ratings and try to get information about all PSP platforms. I only, I do a lot of investigation and the ones I think interesting for me, 
which has the highest returns and when, when I think it's interesting, then I do the investigation. I don't want to spend time on writing reviews or trying to give a rating on someone where I say, well, if the average return at the moment is 7%, then it might be a very good investment. But the return at the moment is sorry, is, is low and I prefer something that's a little bit more risky and give higher returns. So I only do reviews of the platforms where I actually invest myself. Okay, fair enough. Absolutely. And, but yeah, what I do really like is how open you are on your blog in terms of like going out to those places and talking to the people. I do feel that's worth mentioning. Um, and I have seen other interviews of the founders and the CEOs and a lot of different newspapers and from the platforms I'm actually interested in. I do like to like kind of, you know, like learn about their philosophy and strategy because it helps me get a feeling for like, you know, what the heck do they actually want to accomplish mm -hmm. in the end? And maybe that's also a great way to like dive into the next question, which is, well, what is the future going to be of peer-to-peer -peer lending crowd investing? Because we've kind of talked about the past 2008 or well, 2005, starting with the first platforms and like all the way coming up to here. Um, what's going to happen? How do you feel the future is looking like in like, say, five years? I think we're still in the very early beginning. Uh, a lot of investors are not aware that there is anything like this. They only know about the stock and real estate and bond market. So when more people find out that this, this is something that really gives a comparable return to the stock market and you don't have to worry ever about what is the price? Is it a good time to buy? Is it a good time to sell? You don't have to worry about swings in the market when it goes up and down see your account value go up and down in, in ways you never imagined when you started investing. You just get these monthly returns. And when, when people really start to notice that it's, it's a good investment opportunity, I think it'll really take off. And uh, even a platform like Mintos that has about 96,000 investors at the moment, they are, I heard from one of the guys in Mintos that they are actually uh, think they will have around 300,000 investors in the end of 2019. So it's actually 200% more just in one year. And I think all the other platforms will follow up. I think it'll be a lot bigger than it is now. Maybe we can also invest in Mintos in the stock market somehow in the future, maybe in three years. That would be really cool. So you think that Mintos might go on and be published stock that you can invest in as a company? Yes, I would say. I mean, now they, they had this investment round, but if they really have bank accounts and if they have like 300,000 investors, mm -hmm. I think why not? I mean, it it's, it's like a platform. It's it's like Spotify is also on in the stock market. Mm -hmm. Why not? And there, there are also other fintech companies who are already in the stock market like Lending Club and Feratium. <laughs> That could be possible, yes. And it's also fair to say, we keep mentioning Mentos now, but there are lots of great platforms out there in Europe that also do a great job and offer good returns and options and features that Mentos doesn't have. Definitely. And also, most people at the moment say that Mentos is not preferable because they have lower interest than many of the others. But it, but it is one of the biggest ones and one of the platforms who has been in the game for, for quite yeah. a few years. So it's trusted. That's why we mention it. And they have, they have great filter possibilities in terms of this rating. And I think the, the order invest is really, really good in Mintos. And you have, you don't have this cash drag problem, what you have in like Twino or Swapper or Robocash and so on. That's right. You don't have cash drag, but then 
you have lower interest rates instead. Yes, yes. That's, it's the same <laughs> in the end, yeah, maybe. The because, end. because to be fair, I've seen my rates on Mentos drop like a couple percent, like 2.4% points over the last, say, year versus before. Uh, and a little bit of cash track even, to be honest. Yeah, if you set your interest rate too high in the yeah. how to invest, then you'll get cash track, definitely. Correct, but but I do definitely, uh, I've absolutely seen a drop in the rates there paying out because like I run different portfolios with like different interest rates in terms of like the auto invest. And then it is a trend I kind of see over all the different platforms that the cash track and the rate, like, you know, cash track increases in the rate, drops a little bit. It's, it's nothing massive and the features are still amazing, but I do see it a little bit. The thing is that I think there's a huge market that they didn't even introduce yet, but they cannot just publish a lot of loans on the platforms if there is not enough investors for it, because then the loans will not be funded. And then the, all the agreements they made with their loan originators, they will say, what the heck, we didn't even get any funding. So why even bother put it on the platform? And on the other hand, you have if you have too many investors and not enough loans, they will get the cash track. So they'll have to do this balancing all the time to make sure that the rates of loans presented on the platform will match the sign-up rate of new investors. Uh, and it's a balancing question. And it's, it must be pretty uh, tricky to actually balance this thing to make it work. It's actually pretty interesting. We did another interview with RoboCash in terms of like how that platform uh, works in a lot of ways behind the scene and how they've got stuff organized. Mm -hmm. uh, but how you're phrasing it now as in, you know, having the balance between the amount of loans, investors, keeping everybody happy and obviously not overflowing the whole market with tons and tons of loans. It's, I like that critical way of looking, but also like assessing them as almost like, you know, they're big organizations, big com and how they run their platforms, what kind of algorithms they've got running. It can, yeah, it can change everything. Definitely. Absolutely. And so guys, I think in terms of like peer-to-peer -peer lending and crowd, what else can we add? Either you could add your auto-invest settings. What types of auto-invests, why do you have multiple ones? I mean, I've also multiple, but what's your structure? And do you see any difference in the in the different auto invests you have, in in case of returns, like you said, uh, in the loan picking thing? Do you really think you accomplish anything with with more settings or more portfolios? So that's actually a great question, guys. Um, I generally think like I'll like gain a small premium over like the auto invest settings of just you know go all in and only go for like the A rated loans um but i've only run like a couple experiments in the beginning with different portfolios just because i was interested to see what would happen could i make any gains on that so what i've seen myself is setting either higher interest rates lowering the actual rating of the loans picking specific countries that offer really high loans or changing up like personal loans and mortgage loans and playing around with those that yeah if you go riskier, you can get a bit of an increase in rate in debt, but it's barely worth the effort. I got four portfolios running like my main one, where it's like 95% of everything I've got in peer-to-peer -peer lending and a couple other small ones just 
like to kind of like compare what if you would go pure personal loan, what would happen with actual rates? But my conclusion, yes, a bit of a difference, but no, not worth the effort. So the only thing I make sure when I do the out-invest settings in Mintos is that I go into the loan originators tab where you can see the loan originators and then there is a detailed version of it where you can see does this loan originator pay interest for defaulted or overdue loans? And I make sure I only select the loan originators that actually do pay me interest in case of defaulted or overdue loans because a lot of them don't do pay anything so if they have a higher default rate then of course you don't lose anything but you also don't gain interest for these overdue loans mm. and it's very tricky in the platform you have to click like three or two or three times to also see the amount they pay when they are um, delayed or something like that so it's somehow hidden I already suggested to Mensos if they could include it in the auto-invest settings, such an easy thing to say, only invest in loans who actually pay for overdue and defaulted loans as well, pay interest for these. Would be a lot easier. They had a message recently in the in the notifications that they, that someone, that some originator increased their, the percentage they pay when they are delayed loans. So it's really a highlight. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the, the auto invest, uh, maybe add what I'm doing there. I think it's valuable to have an overview, for example, for me, which are the short term loans, because for me, Mintos is like uh, the short term money I collect. So you don't have it in my cash account. I have it, a part of it in Mintos. So I make sure that I can get a lot of money in, in 30 days. And then I have auto invest that only invests in secured loans, like with collateral, because I think I just feel a little bit better uh, when I know that there's some real estate behind it. Also in, yeah, in recession times, it's kind of good for me to know. Actually, what I found about liquidity, some people don't want to invest in loans that are maybe three years or five years. I do the opposite. I don't really care if it's one month or five years, but I care that I get the loans that offer the highest yield at the moment mm. and they have buyback guarantee and pay for overdue also. Because if I want to cash out, I can sell these loans easily on the secondary market at any time. Maybe with, and sometimes I can even get a small premium, but in the worst case, I maybe have to pay half percent or something like that in, in discount if I want to get out immediately and I can sell my entire portfolio in one day. Sometimes there are, it's in the normal, in normal times that might be the case, but if there is low demand in the secondary market. There is always high demand for high yielding loans. The only thing that could happen to me is that if they suddenly introduced 15 or 16% loans, well, of course, mm -hmm. I couldn't sell mine. Yes. So that's one of the cases. <laughs> only if I pay maybe 3% discount or something. Yeah, so at, you see, in, in normal times, I would also say you can just uh, put it into the secondary market. But yeah, I, f I feel a little bit better if I have some loans that I can, that where I can get some liquidity. Mm -hmm. But I will rethink about it. And um, I also have one other invested invest just in very long term loans because so I, I make sure that I have long term loans with really high interest rates and I yeah, collect them in this auto invest. But maybe it's also, maybe you can just have one auto invest. That could also be an idea. I actually set up four different, but that's only, they are actually identical. 
The only difference is the interest rates. So the thing with Mintos and the auto invest is that if you only have one and you say, I accept everything from 12% and up with these loan originators. If one of these loan originators publish two different loans on the platform the same day, one has 13% interest rate and the other one has 14%. Both have buyback guarantee and everything is basically the same. Then mm-hmm. it will be random if you get the 13% or the 14% loan. You will not mm-hmm. get the highest yield automatically. So what I did, I created four different ones and I said, I try to see if there is any 14% loans. And if not, then I will go to the next out invest to search for 13.5% loan and down to 12% like that. Life is easy if you just have one criteria, which is a profit. <laughs> also a good idea. And guys, and then I would say now it's slowly time to wrap it up because we've covered a solid, good, strong 50 minutes crowd investing and the world of peer-to-peer lending. Well, all combined in one. And I believe, Matthias, you still have one efficiency question left for Jürgen. You're just talking about the topic. You're not randomly talking about other things except the topic. But are there any other tips or how are you so efficient? I do the things that I'm interested in. Then I try not to listen too much to what everybody else thinks I should do. I try to be very true to myself and to my concepts to see this is what my focus is on becoming financially free through alternative investments and building up a cash flow that I think that everyone can do if they just want to put in the time. Of course, they have to have some kind of income source, like a full-time job or something. If you if you are unemployed, it'll be very hard to get financially free. But again, it's really more about how much are you able to set aside of your income in percentages and how fast are you able to get a passive income every month that actually is, is higher than than your monthly expenses. Mm. So so just I'm I'm trying to keep focused on trying to put out something that some some that people in general can relate to. And and maybe also what what's logical or what's what's evidence evidence logic. I like to keep it as simple as possible uh, in general so not make things too complicated. If get if it gets complicated you'll you'll just stop doing it. It'll be too hard. If it's complicated mm. to save money, you'll not do it. If it's complicated to invest money or you think, oh, I have to do so much research in this and that, you'll end up not doing anything and that'll be even worse. Yeah. So I try not to be too cautious, but at the same time, I like to do whatever investigation I think is necessary. Mm. And you may be also forced to be efficient because, you I mean, you have some kids and you're also project leader and maybe that's also a hard job. So there's not... Too much time left. I, I put a lot of hours into it. Unfortunately, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So when you see I post one article, maybe one of the portfolio updates or something like this. Of course, it has grown now. So one portfolio update is actually quite long. But I also take more or less a full day to do it because there's so many screenshots and data I have to find from all the websites and everything. So it is quite, it is quite a bit of work actually to do it. Mm. But it's, it's very readable and it looks yeah clean, simple. So but maybe that's that's the hard work to make it look like like it's uh, so simple and easy. Jürgen, Matthias, guys, thank you so much for this. I really feel like we've covered something that like I found in different articles in some parts of the internet, but not in like cohesive, nice summary discussion format. And 
as strongly as in here and Jürgen, you adding so many like details in terms of like, well, how do those platforms actually work in like terms of like a higher level and a low level? What can we as individual investors do to like play around and be aware of that? And how like avoid, do we avoid making it over complicated, but maybe also at the same time, not too simple and still being aware of the mechanics. So I find that really cool. And yeah, essentially the last question we always do, we have a set of final questions for every episode. And uh, the number one would essentially be, where can people find you in terms of blog, website, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, yeah, you mentioned Twitter and Instagram. I actually have an account there, but uh, I, I don't really use them. I set up my blog so it automatically posts the tweets when I post something so I don't have to do it manually. But other than that, I don't really use it. I, I focus 100% on the blog, well, 95%, and then also have the the Facebook group or page I have for my blog as well where I, I post some more information sometimes. But it's mainly on the blog that you guys guys can find me. We have a lot of visitors at the moment at the blog because there are so many people interested in the in the topic. And underneath every article I, I post, there is the possibility to actually join the conversation with me and all the other bloggers. And there is a lot of conversation going on. If someone has questions, they can post it directly or write me an email and have a lot of answers to their questions this way. Awesome. And the name of the blog? That's financiallyfree.eu. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Also, one resource not well known that you would like or that you can recommend, uh, maybe not Timothy Ferris uh, for our work week, but maybe a book or a YouTube video or yeah, anything might not everybody might know that helped you to become the one you are. Or it could also be another topic, not, not finance related. Is there anything really interesting you would like to recommend? It's it's a tough one because it's hard to say already what the the listeners here they know already and what's common knowledge. Sometimes you get surprised. What I think is common knowledge is not common at all. Sometimes uh, you know, yeah. It, it I would say what helped me the most is to have focus on my own goals. It sounds really basic, but it's really what I think it is necessary for most people. If you want to invest or become financially free. You'll have to sit down with yourself and wonder why do you want to do it and what are you going to do to follow through and to actually do it because it's not something you will do in half a year or or even two years. It's something that takes time. Even the most efficient guys, there's this book by the, it's actually a Danish guy who moved to the US called Jacob Lundfisker. He wrote a book early retirement extreme and this guy he managed to get financially free in only five years and he's saving 80 percent of his income every month he's going really really crazy with these jails and even washing powder he does it himself everything is really extreme but it really tells you what you're actually capable of if you really want to do it and i mm -hmm. think uh, the extreme version is is what, probably also what the media wants to focus on because they say if you want to be financially independent you'll have to you know do your own lunch every day you cannot buy it you cannot go out to restaurants you cannot go into the cinema there's a lot of things you'll have to say no to when it comes to friends and parties and everything and i really don't agree on this part hmm. if you instead focus on the big expenses you have in your everyday life like 
rent if you live in a, an apartment or what kind of car you have or if you even need a car if you can go into a smaller one or even use roller skates or a bicycle what do i know there's a lot of things you can do to actually save more money and invest more and you don't have to be extreme you can easily do it in a in a comfortable way and still do it in also a, a good time frame i think less than 10 yeah, years use the 80 20 principle or 2080 mm -hmm. yes. i don't know <laughs> yeah exactly focus all your efficiency on on the 80 percent, and then it's all right to do a little bit of having a little bit of fun well good stuff guys and jürgen i think it's fair to say that without the answer you've also <laughs> answered the third final question which in essence goes number the one actionable tip for someone on the path to fly but your answer of being critical to yourself use your own minds and you know and the book you threw in are essentially you know the best research you can essentially recommend i i love that one mm -hmm. that's great okay wow you're gonna thank you so much for coming on to the show again you're welcome thanks for having me it's always a pleasure guys thank you guys for listening to this episode we hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show you can support us by doing this subscribing to your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review following us on instagram and twitter at financial independence europe sending us an email with questions and feedback we would love to hear from you all the mentioned articles books and cool resources can be found in the show notes at financial-independence.eu thank you for listening and see you next time <laughs>